What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project Podcast. My name is Austin Jardine. Happy freaking Monday. I apologize if I'm a little nasally. I am in the middle of a mild head cold and I've uh, been drugging up, hoping that I uh, don't fall totally sick. But you know what? It's Monday. I had an awesome weekend hanging out with some friends. My cousin came down with her husband and went to a concert, went out and danced a little bit with some friends and uh, had an overall hell of a good time. Uh, even got up bright and early after a late night dancing and uh, went and looked for ducks and dogs. Didn't see, uh, saw a couple of ducks and found one solid spot that I'm hoping to get back to in the near future to find some coyotes. So it was a really good weekend. I uh, sat down and relaxed today for the first time in a while where I kind of just did a whole hell of a lot of nothing and it felt it felt right and it felt good because normally I don't sit still but you know what I'm excited today's episode with Caleb is spectacular um, I met uh, met him earlier this summer at uh, one of our the Eberly Stock networking events and he is an absolute legend um, you know kind of the time that we met I was going through you know a fair chunk of things um, and uh, he was a very uh, he's an awesome guy just in that he stops listens, very philosophical, makes you think, and uh, honestly, even in thinking about some tough things, makes you want to go work towards something better. So I was really fortunate, really thankful to have uh, spent some time with him uh, and got this recording out. So I'm super stoked. Um, If you haven't yet, please take a half a second to uh, subscribe to the show. Wherever you get your podcasts, right, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, um, subscribe to stay up to date, uh, leave a rating, a review, and uh, yeah, hit up the website too. I actually recently posted my first blog post in quite a while. I sat down and kind of, I've been reflecting the past couple of weeks just on how life has been going and uh, it's been fun because I've, I've kind of sat and been like, how the hell did I get here? And uh, it was kind of fun to sit down and, and kind of take a few things that I had learned and put it into words in some way, shape, or form. But, uh, you know, without further ado, I don't want to take away from Caleb's episode because he's a stud. Today's episode is brought to you by Everly Stock. Go figure. That's where Caleb and I met through, uh, through those guys. And um, speaking about hunting and, and looking for both ducks and dogs, right, it was cold. Actually, it... It usually gets real cold out here in Utah in the mornings. I've noticed that. That's one thing I'm learning is that if you get out before the sun, obviously it's December, it's cold, whatever. I mean, that's kind of no duh. However, my uh, Thunderbolt Parka from Everly Stock is like my go-to jacket. I love this thing because it'll fit underneath my bibs, which is great, while or my waders while we're out. Um, but then it's also just comfortable enough where if I throw a sweatshirt on underneath it, I can sit out waiting for dogs for forever and be just as comfortable. The only thing I'm really worried about are my toes getting cold because I'm kind of a baby. So, uh, you know, I know Christmas is coming up. If you're fixing for some cold weather gear, uh, call Eberly Stock, uh, call the retail store, ask for Tucker, let him know the Vanguard Project sent you, and uh, get hooked up with some new gear, whether that is um, a mainframe uh, for next hunting season, or maybe you're going to get after spring bear, or if you need some more camo stuff, or if you just need an EDC pack, they have the gamut of things. So I'm going to stop yammering uh, because I'm starting to get a little nasally, um, but I hope you all have a wonderful next or wonderful week, and we're going to roll an awesome episode with Mr. Caleb. Still. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project Podcast. My name is Austin Jardine, and with me today is a dude who I'm actually pretty excited to chat with you and I met uh, this last summer in person at the uh, Everly Stock event, and uh, that would be Mr. Caleb Stillians. And it's kind of fun because you and I sat down at the time I was going through a bit of a situation, and it was kind of fun to talk to you because, and I don't, and I didn't, I haven't told you this, but it's really fun because you are a very philosophical kind of introspective person and i'm really excited to talk with you because i feel like there's a lot for me to learn in this conversation i know that i didn't share that with you but that's kind of my impression of you so i'm excited i'm excited to chat with you so i don't want to take your intro away man but if you don't mind kind of just introducing yourself in whatever format you're comfortable with and we'll get to know you a little bit more absolutely it's good to be here and everyone that's listening or watching this i appreciate you guys having me on and uh, yeah, so my background is uh, Kansas City, Missouri, at age two to Alaska, at age eight, back to Missouri, and at age 18, back to Alaska. 
And uh, when I went back the last time to Alaska, I started a, a guiding journey up there where I became a professional hunting guide. And uh, before that, I shot some competitive archery. So I've kind of bounced around. I've done a lot of things. And I've been fortunate to have a lot of success and a lot of failure. And uh, yeah, we met at the Ebley Stock event and uh, we hit it off and it was a good, good chat. So I guess that's why I'm here now. <laughs> that's awesome. So Missouri to Alaska to Missouri to Alaska. Why Alaska? Uh, so my dad uh, wanted to go up there. There was a Bible college and uh, my parents are very uh, like faith based. And uh, he felt like God was calling him up to that area of Alaska. It was middle of nowhere. Called, it's a town called Glen Allen. Tiny town. Nothing's going on there. And that's where my love for the mountains, I guess, developed from a young age. Because then when we moved back here, Missouri is great. The people are phenomenal and it's got its own unique beauty, but it's not the same as you have these huge mountains and you can walk for as long as you want to and not bump into anybody. So and Missouri does not have that. So uh, that I, I had the itch to go back. So as soon as I was done with high school, I kind of made that happen. Yeah. Can we talk about kind of the appreciation and that itch, right? Like I can understand to a certain extent the itch to want to go do a particular thing, but to the extent that you have in shaping your life around it, right. In terms mm -hmm. of actually moving back and foregoing college, for instance, or maybe Bible college, depending on if that's what your dad did too. Right. I mean, how did that shape you? Why did you decide and how did you decide to scratch the itch and pursue going back to Alaska? Yeah. So it's, it's weird because none of my family hunts, like none of my family, my dad doesn't no one, but it's always been something that like itched me. Like, I remember being a little kid and we were walking in, in Costco and all I wanted, I think it was Costco. All I wanted is this toy bow and arrow. And I was like, I don't know, three or four at the time. And I still remember like begging my mom and dad, uh, can I please have the bow and arrow? I'll do, I'll walk for it, whatever I need to do. And I got it. And that was my thing. I, I would shoot it. And my mom and dad had this little gun rack, even though too later in life, he didn't have a gun. He had a pellet gun at that point. Later on, he gets a 301 mag. But I would run downstairs to their bedroom, do a somersault, grab my little bow and arrow with the things and just shoot that gun rack that had that, that white tail buck on it. And so that, I don't know where it came from exactly, but that feeling of like wanting to do that was there since since I can remember, even though no one in my family did that. And the funny, funny story is when I was six or seven, uh, my older brother and sister were going on a, like a caribou hunt. They helped this neighbor out. They helped pack out the meat. And I remember how pissed I was at my family that they wouldn't let me go when I was a kid. I was so, I, I, I can't, that was probably the maddest I've been ever in my life was when I was doing that. But uh, so that, so I don't know where that feeling came from on like the love for the mountains. It's just anybody that's been up to Alaska or been in the mountains, they just know what it feels like to be around that presence. And then the move at a young age and not have that anymore. The Midwest is pretty flat. You have the Ozarks, but it's, it's not the same. It's still beautiful, but it's not the same. So I think uh, having that calling to be back out in the, in a place that's still wild was uh was there and then when it comes to uh what i did uh I, I shot competitive archery in high school and i was fortunate to do really well at it and i i won a full ride for college so i ended up going and i i studied finance uh so i didn't do the same path that my dad did uh i was uh like i don't want to sound like a wino because i'm not i'm grateful for how i grew up i had everything that i needed but my parents didn't have a lot of money they lived very, very paycheck to paycheck slash stressed out. We're going to be short this month. Uh, so money, money's always been a big motivator because I know I don't want that for myself. So it's like, I'm going to study finance. I'm going to try to understand money the best as I can so I can take that. And that's been a, that's been a, a driver in my life as well. So I studied, studied finance in college. Uh, when COVID happened, I actually dropped out because I was like, this is, this is BS and by then I started the guiding path. So I've met several successful businessmen that have kind of took me under my, under their wings. So I kind of listen to them when it comes to business. Interesting. So I'm hearing a couple of things and I'm taking some mental notes. 
So mm-hmm. one, you got you started in high school, uh, competitive archery. Mm-hmm. Money was a big motivator, so you studied finance. But in the COVID years, you dropped out and started guiding. There's a lot of things going on there, and I'm going to start with what, other than pretending to be Robin Hood rolling down the stairs and shooting uh, the mount, how did you get into competitive shooting and archery? Yep, so uh, when we moved to Missouri, when that happened, uh, I wanted I wanted the hunt, so it took forever. I talked to my mom. I walked for an Amish guy. I got my first 22, and this is when I'm like 10 or 11. And then I get I get a bow after that. And why all that's going on, I'm shooting my little bows and arrows. And then I get an actual bow. It was a, a diamond bow. I don't even know if that exists mm-hmm. anymore. But yep. it was a, I know it's real funky. Uh, shot that. Got really good. I mean, because I've shot my whole life. And then I was at a, a event called Chief Shikoxi Days in Missouri. And this guy comes up and starts talking to me. Yeah, they run the archery program it's called nasp national and school archery program throughout the high school and i was like yeah i'm good i because I, at that time i was homeschooled i went and got a job was working making money and uh so that's what i was doing and i was like yeah i mean i'll come up and try try it but you know i don't want to go to school because i got a job and i want to make money so went up and it wasn't able to compete since i wasn't uh in in high school they're like hey you can't shoot on a school sport if you're not in the school which makes sense uh so i didn't do it that year and that would have been sophomore year of high school Mm -hmm. and then throughout that i ended up going and uh i wanted to be a navy seal at that time and uh i found out that i needed a high school diploma and if i got my ged i would have to go and get a certain amount of like college credit hours but to get into college i need to go get a high school diploma so it was kind of like everything was leading me to go to high school so I did that junior and senior year and uh, that's when I started shooting competitively and that's how that all pieced together interesting so would you say then and this is kind of a funny question would you say then that archery is the reason you finished high school um I, I would say uh what got me in the high school was the motivation that I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Okay. And and archery was something that was there that I was naturally really good at. Like not, I'm not saying this boastfully, but picked it up, broke the state records. Uh, one state, I, the two years I did it, went to nationals, placed really well in nationals, went to ward. And then I think I don't know if anybody's broke it, but me and a couple other people are tied with the 299 out of 300. So close to a perfect score. And that's how, uh, that's what pushed me to college. Cause at, at the point in time, I just wanted to go get my diploma, go straight into the seals. And now I'm like, well, I got college paid for. So it's mm-hmm. like, I might as well go see what that's about. So that's kind of how that happened. What is uh, an archery tournament competition? I mean, I've done one 3d shoot. But I don't think that that's necessarily the same thing that we're talking about here, right? Yeah. So NASP is uh, how they do it is everyone has to shoot the exact same bow. It's honestly a kid's bow. It's a Matthews Genesis. Okay. Uh, so it's like, let's just say 12 to 25 pounds. I don't remember the specs on it anymore. And you'd shoot at 10 and 15 meters for bullseye. So you have a an X ring, and then you have a 10 ring, and then it goes out from there, et cetera. And then, uh, then you have a 3D, and it's the same thing. It's, I think, seven different animals. And then you have your, your 10, your 9, your 8, and then your 5. And then you go, and there's that two categories. So if anybody's interested in NASP, uh, I would recommend putting your kids in it if they uh, if that school offers it, if they like archery. Because if they do take the time to get really good at it, you can pay for college if they – you know, they got to devote their time to become the best at it. But if they do that, it's a good, it's a good option uh, for people that like the outdoors to look at. Yeah. So kind of maybe as a transitioning question in the time that you made it through high school, started looking at the seals and then continued through your competition stuff, right. With uh, mm-hmm. archery, what were some of the most important life lessons or things that you learned up until that point, right? Until let's just say graduation, starting college, where you're mm-hmm. like, man, 
you know, I never thought I would have learned this. I wish I would have known this two years ago um, or something that you're like as a high school student or a parent that is sending a kid into high school. You're like, hey, I suggest researching this or knowing this. OK, yeah. So I'm going to fix the timeline just a little bit, because mm-hmm. while I was going to college, I was also guiding and okay. I can get into how I did that as we go on. But sure. to answer that question there, uh, I have dyslexia. So I can't sound out words. I, I just can't do it. And I used to be super ashamed about it. And I think if you're a kid that struggles with something that people think that makes you different, uh, don't don't let that be like your defining characteristic. Don't be ashamed of that. Understand your weaknesses and your strengths and attack what you are good at and know that there's these things that you are bad at and you want to try to improve on it. But this, you can't be good at everything. And I think school promotes that you have to be good at everything. You have to get an A across the board. Well, the fact is, if you're, you should, if you can, you should try to get an A across the board. But this, because you're not passionate about, let's say, say science, doesn't mean that you should feel bad. Like you should figure out what you're really good at and devote and develop those skills of your natural, natural gifts. So I think that's a big one. Uh, another one is don't give in to peer pressure. It's a, uh, I think being homeschooled uh, and then having a, I, most of my friends are older than me. Cause I, I mean, time I went into high school, I started walking at like age 10, uh, which most people don't believe me, but it's like, I, I, I did. So that's what happened. Uh, so time I went, got down to the high school, I already had 10 years of walk experience. Yeah. Ballpark range. So being being able to understand that you are different and that's okay and you don't need to conform to what the group says you should do. It's just like, no, that's not me. So finding your self-identity as fast as possible and being okay with that. You don't need to conform to what these people are doing. They, they might want to go watch TikTok for eight hours a day, but that doesn't mean that's what's cool and that's what you should do. You should find out what, yeah. what makes you happy. So you're bringing up a really good point and something I think that is very difficult to talk about. And it is one being able to handle something that you're ashamed with, right? I mean, I've got my own things too, but then also being able to identify your own self, right? And exactly what your point, right? You could do it. Is that the right thing? Maybe not for you. How did you, and and this is a probably a very hard, loaded, difficult question. Mm-hmm. How did you do that for yourself? And I'm asking so that if somebody is like, holy crap, Caleb, you're right. I need to be thinking for myself. What did you do? Yeah. So I think what I did is this. A, you need to read a lot so then you can understand or listen. That's a great thing. You listen to a lot of things. So then it starts, uh, cause I think a lot of these things came naturally because of the, the hard work I had to do at a young age, but I, they weren't conscious. So as soon as you can, you need to start like reading great people from the past. Uh, you can read Marcus Aurelius. You can read the Bible. You can read say people from today, Jocko Willink, Jordan Peterson, and they articulate themselves in such a way where you can start to realize these different ideas. Cause well, as soon as you can understand human nature, then you start to have a different outlook because you realize that most people think about the same thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, to put an example, when I was younger, I was scared to talk to girls. And then at one point in time, I had an epiphany that everyone's just as scared as you are. We all these people going through the same thing. That girl might be a 10 and beautiful, but she's got the same insecurities like everyone else does. So once you understand that we all people, we all have human nature, there is some outliers like that are sociopaths and such and such. And you just got to teach yourself to watch out for those people. But the majority of people experience the same emotions and getting, I think getting that one piece down is probably one of the biggest pieces that you can pick is that we are all the same. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. No, a bill so some of my i'm blessed some of the people i take hunting are billionaires and what was epiphany on doing that is that they are just like me and you they had a great but they had a great idea and they were able to follow through with it and the market was right everything was right to make them 
boom, blow up. They're very smart. They, they're quick at learning, but they're not any different than us. So understanding that is huge, is that we're all the same, and it's all about finding what we're good at, following through, and being persistent. And we all not going to – life's not fair on everything. It's, it's called the pedo distribution skills, money, etc. It's not going to all be divided up equally. So you might have a really good idea and you might follow through and say that only makes you $50,000. Well, you shouldn't be, you, sh you shouldn't compare that. Oh, I, I, why didn't I get this? Because of this person got that. You should be realize that this is what you did and this is what you got. And if you want to get something different, now you need to do something different yeah. and i know that's kind of off a rabbit trail but that's just kind of where my mind was taking me on how to answer that question no that's fair and i i love that answer right and one thing that you said and it's funny like i don't like to say this but like resonated with me was that we are all scared too because i've learned that very recently i'd say in the past couple of months specifically last week where it's like it kind of just hit where it's like we're all just people and everybody's scared. So you know what? You're going to die. Take advantage of living, right? How, take the situation and make it what you want it to be. And be you get start to get yourself used to rejection uh, because rejection is, is part of success. There's no, there's no success without a level of rejection that goes along with that because not everyone's going to say yes. And you shouldn't be afraid of no because no gets, gets you one step closer to the next yes. Uh, I, I walked a sales job my freshman year of college, and uh, his name is Jordan Petty's great guy. Uh, he he took me under his wing and was like, you got to think of it like this. You like coffee, right? I'm like, yeah, I love coffee. Just fill, fill all the coffee mugs up and I'm going to drink them all. He's like, okay, so you are the waiter and you have the coffee and you go to give someone coffee and they say, no, I don't want any. Is that holding you? Or are they the one missing out on a good thing? They're the one missing out on a good thing. So you shouldn't take that personally. You should go find someone that wants some of your coffee. So. That's a good analogy. I was thinking about that. I also really like coffee. And I was like, coffee sounds good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Coffee's great. So in terms of the storyline then, uh, you make it through high school. You opt out of going uh, into the Navy right now. Was that a, a conscious decision? Was there a circumstance that led you away from it? Yeah. So it was a, uh, I'd say a conglomerate of things. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to push my religious beliefs on anybody, but uh, one of the big ones was uh, New York passed uh, an abortion law where people could get abortions on the night, like the last trimester up until the baby was born. And that that's something I personally, well, I mean, that's something I don't agree with. Like, I'm not going to be politically correct at this point. I don't agree with that. And I love this country and I will fight for it and I'll fight for it under my own will. But, and I've, some of my friends, like a lot of my friends are special forces guys. So I'm not dogging the military at all. But for me, that was when that, I started looking at that, that wasn't something that I was like, I'm not willing because you can't say no in a way you, you can't tell the way up or up, excuse my French, fuck you. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, and I'm a very kind of, I do what I want individual. You're on a very the most part. fuck you person. <laughs> so I was like, that, that's kind of the thing that led me away from that is I'm, I'm very like, I'm not going to do anything that I don't believe in. Uh, and when I say that, I, I, I really do mean that. So that I was like, I, I don't want to sign myself up for that at this time in my life. No, that's fair. I feel like that's a very being that young, right? I feel like that's a very unique thing to be able to do, let alone articulate, you know? Yeah. No, and I, I don't know uh, if I could articulate it as well back then, but I, I've thought about it because I've also I've also thought about going back and doing it because it is something that is very attractive to me. Being around a team of people that are just as driven as you sounds phenomenal because it's hard to find that in normal life. And you can find those people, but 
one's in Montana, one's in Florida, one's in Utah. You're all spread out. It's not like you're in one place with those people. So I, the guys that get to experience that, that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, so, so thinking about it, thinking about going back and having to re dig that up and decide, Hey, am I going to make the same choice? So I'm going to go back. Uh, I think has helped me be able to understand it a little bit better. Yeah. So have you been able to find, and I know you alluded to it a little bit, but have you been able to find that, that sense of camaraderie in your current line of work or some other, I guess, uh, passion play, however you want to call it? Not in one spot. You got to seek those people out. There's a lot of people that they don't have to be military. Uh, it's just, I call it this hard mindset. They, they, they care about people, but yet they are, they kill us is what they are. It's like whatever they, they wouldn't give up period. Like they're the guys that caused the revolution that caused this country. If you look at that history, it was only a small percentage of people that started the revolution. Most of the people are like, no, we don't want to piss off the big government. Let's not do it. That small percentage is what created this country. And that small percentage is still out there. Mm-hmm. Again, human nature is human nature. Most people are are sheep. And not that I don't want to be a sheep, and but we need it's kind of like the Chris Kyle movie. The sheep, there's wolves, the sheep dogs. People that are sheep, it's not like they're evil people. They just they are who they are. And those people that are sheep dogs that know exactly what they believe in and are willing to fight and die no matter what to protect those moles. And then those evil people, which are the wolves. And that's, you kind of, I think you got to pick where you are on that spectrum. Uh, so, so yes, you can, there's, there's sheep dogs everywhere. And uh, I, I tend to enjoy hanging around them more than the, than the sheep. The sheep are great people, nothing against them, but it's harder to find common ground. Yeah, that's fair. So then as kind of the story progresses, what led you down the path of guiding and ultimately back into Alaska? Yep. So uh, I went out to uh, Tennessee for my freshman year of college. The assistant archery coach uh, there, Darwood, married an outfitter up in Alaska. And uh, they back, rewind back when I was 16 or 17, I drove my 97 uh, Cavalier four bangle to Colorado. And I, I was climbing, I think it was Mount Massive. And I seen a mountain goat way off in the distance. So I snuck up on it, took a selfie, because why not? Uh, and <laughs> I kept that photo. And I showed that to my assistant archery coach. And they sent it to the outfitter. And the outfitter was like, hey, you want to come walk for walk for free I'm like in Alaska why not so I went up there and walked for free for the first year as a packer and that's how I got uh got my guide license how did you sneak up on a goat what, what uh, was your well, secret what was your secret the principles of hunting like all the same across the board don't let them see you smell you or hear you and uh that's that's a lot you as you are doing a spot and stock you have to be thinking about those three things constantly what is the wind doing where is my scent cone going can they see if i can see them they can see me so picking you don't need to see that animal the entire time as you stock up on it if you think that you're not going to get very successful on stalking you need to know where that animal is and know where they disappear and then you can pick points if the if the geographical location allows you to pop up and relocate that animal to make sure it's moved but the majority of that stock, you don't want to see that animal because that animal can see you. Sure. You want to know where that animal is. So that's a, that's how I snuck up on it is just knowing the wind and not letting them see me or hear me. So. Now, where did you learn all of these things, right? I mean, you said you didn't grow up hunting, which means either you failed a bunch or you spent a lot of time researching and or both. I failed a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> I failed so much. Uh, I think it was – probably three to four years hunting with a bow before I ever killed anything. And I heard so many times hunting whitetail. And then as that went along, I, I st- you just start, it's good. Anything in life, you can research a lot, but that's only going to get you so good. Eventually you have to go out and try it and 
fail often and fail often enough where you get sick of it and you start to adjust. Okay, what did I do there? How do I need to change that? So I started hunting by myself at a very young age and I didn't have anyone teach me. So I, I failed for three years straight, didn't kill anything. And then I compiled that knowledge and then, hey, I, I cured a bill this year. And then I started killing bucks and it just, you know, life, life is a progression. You got to get that 10,000 hours in anything that you do if you want to become really good at it. So what is, and I've, I, I know a little bit about guiding. I've never used a guide service. I've chat with you a little bit and mm -hmm. a couple others. What is it, what does it look like in the day in the life of a guide and then how do you source guides become an expert i guess how do you become you is what i'm asking yeah so uh if, if you were like a kid sitting on the couch listening to this and you're like i want to do that job being a guide in alaska it's different than other states alaska is the hardest state to get a guide's license in so what you would have to do is you would go and you you'd find an outfitter that needs a quote-unquote hacker slash apprentice whatever you want to call it and you have to work for him for a minimum of 60 days two guiding seasons in the field so it could be a spring and a fall so if you if you already have a lot of the skills and pick it up super fast you can get it done in a year most of the time it takes two to four years to get your assistant guides license depending on your knowledge base uh, so once you get the requirements the days in the field etc the outfitter, if he thinks you are ready, will sign off on your paperwork. You take that to the state. You send that into the Big Game Commercial Services Board. They send you your guide's license. From there, you are not an outfitter. You are a guide. Uh, so you can't book hunts and take hunts, but you can work for an outfitter. Once you have that license for three years, if you, if you choose to, you can go apply to be an outfitter. And then at that point, there was a written test and a practical test. Uh, so, and, that, and you got to pass those. And once you pass those, you can take what's called a GMU test. And that GMU test is game uh, area use, whatever that stands for. You, the area you can hunt in. So you can go test on that. And each area you test for, you have to have said days in that area to be able to test for that. And that's how you go about becoming a guide in Alaska. That's a lot of testing. <laughs> it is. Uh, and a lot of time. Yeah. Hey, it's a college degree to become a, become a good guide. So. so is it, it's obviously experience time under your belt and skills, right? What then was maybe the most rewarding thing for you in becoming a guide, whether that's an experience, a skill, uh, in, a, in, a, in individual you met, right? Most rewarding. I have like two or three mm -hmm. questions that I made me think of. Yeah, so I think it's the people that I've met. So I kind of alluded to I come from a, a a lower class background. And again, that's not bad. I'm grateful for my childhood. Uh, and I knew that wasn't what I wanted. But all my connections were in that same realm, lower to lower middle class. Well, then I walk my butt off and I'm in this position in this job. And now all of a sudden, I'm taking guys that are worth several million dollars, if not more. And so being able to make friends with people that in a day-to-day -day life, it would take a lot to get a meeting with them. Well, now I get to spend 10 days with them, pick their brain on how they built their business, how they got the success, et cetera. So I think that was the most rewarding slash beneficial for me personally on, on just doing hard things and overcoming them and knowing that uh because when you're out in alaska so i'll, I'll tell a story uh I, i'm running this bear bait up in fairbanks area and i have to go up by this river and i'm 19 years old and this is honestly a, a two to three man job and i'm doing it by myself without that much experience but that's what i'm supposed to do so i have to run up this river cut out log jams, cut out overhang logs and no one's been up there since winter. So I'm trying to operate a boat, fight against the current, fell a lot of trees to get up that river. It was honestly dangerous. Uh, I shouldn't have been up there by myself, but uh, I was. 
and figuring out how to get that done. And I almost died probably quite a few to hand, like at least seven <laughs> different times I can think of that summer. Uh, so, I mean, it, God, God was protecting me. Here, here's one story. So I'm cutting out this log jam. I got the river was coming through like this. And if anybody's ever been in a log jam, they kind of understand how it operates. You have the river, it's backed up and then you have the log jam and then the water flows underneath it. And you have some water coming off to the side like this. And uh, I'm having to cut a pathway through that. So I'm walking on the backside, cutting through, and I'm about midway through that log jam to get this little path through. And I have the bow. The bow is kind of bumped up against this one log that's at an angle and half it's kind of half in the water and knowing what i know now i would have been able to handle that situation way better but again i'm, I'm 19 and i don't know shit uh so kind of how i set everything up wasn't the best idea because there was another log that was kind of pinched underneath that so when i cut this log that log's gonna release but i don't know that log's even there because i don't understand Logs, all the moving yeah. parts so I got one leg on the boat and one leg around this other log that kind of keep the boat from drifting off. And I have the boat probably about 30 to 40% powered up to kind of keep up with the current that's pushing against me. And I'm cutting this log. As this log releases, uh, it, the log that's underneath it bucks up, hits the bow. I end up falling into the water, which the water is pulling down and the boat is is i'm no longer attached to the boat so it's it's off uh how i should have done it i should have tied everything up roped it off etc uh and it, there should have been two guys there minimum but uh i remember going under the water and, it, and it's so weird because i mean i wasn't like out of it but i remember going under the water and like watching myself do it it, it was just the wildest thing and uh i just my head goes under and i can see the light faded and i just remember kicking as hard as I can and doing this number and my foot hit another log that was underneath there and I popped up and uh these two fingers right here caught the front creek of that that riverboat and I was able to grab onto that and then get my other hand up on it as I'm trying to pull myself up the boat bumps something and I smack my head up against it I again I was just like it probably should have knocked me out but it didn't and I was able to pull myself up back up into that boat and I had hip weighters on so that they were filled oh, up yeah. when I fell in. It was all these pieces that, uh, that should have killed me and I should have drowned, but I did not So it's, uh, getting through all that stuff. And I, I'm not recommending anybody to put themselves in that situation. <laughs> I'm not, but, uh, facing those hard things and just getting through them, like figuring out a way, uh, now don't be stupid. Anybody listening to this podcast, if you are pushing your limits in a place that can kill you super easily, uh, don't do that. I I've just always been kind of dumb and like, I'm going to do it. Uh, so if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so that sounds like a nightmare. What would you say then has been the hardest and or most dangerous slash death defying thing you've done? Um, I don't know. There's, there's a, a lot of mixed things in there. So aviation, there's always something when the weather goes bad. There's been a lot of close calls of aviation where the clouds seal up and you lose your availability and the, it's pretty turbulent. So there's been quite a few cl close calls of that. The ocean is pretty angry uh, when you're out in like a small skiff or I've even taken a 76-foot uh, boat from Kodiak around uh, so you have Kodiak, you have the Alaska Peninsula, and you have Kupanoff Strait that runs in between that. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most dangerous spots that I've uh, in Alaska. So I'm assuming the world, you can, I don't know, people that are Google Notes can go fact check me on that. But a lot of boats sink there. And that's the point. And uh, I took a boat through there and the, the ocean got nasty. And uh, I remember I'm in this big boat. Uh, for, you have like the, the captain's helm and then you have above that the crow's nest and that thing sticks up really far and being in swells where you, you, you kind of got to angle your boat because you, if you sideways the swells could tip you so you you angling into them and uh going in the bottom of the swell and seeing the next swell and that it's way higher than you 
and then coming up and then every now and then you would hit a swell where your bow's up and then you come down on the next one and smack real hard and that water breaching over the crow's nest. Um, that was a pretty scary situation, kind of like in the boats doing this. You're like, we'll see how this ends up. Uh, <laughs> and then there's always <laughs> there's always bear, uh, bear encounters that are fun. Had a few of them try to eat me, but uh, those, it's funny. Those are not quite as scary, I guess, because I, I'm I'm armed and I've put in a, a decent amount of training to be good at shooting and accurate at it and proficient. So it's like a bear is coming at me. I know I can put rounds into that animal. The ocean's gonna take you if she wants. Yeah. Uh, this, you can't shoot the ocean in the head. So uh, <laughs> that's ocean and aviation is probably the most dangerous when it comes down to it. If something really bad happens. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the water. Not if that gives me like I'm like sweating thinking about that. <laughs> oh, the add to it up there, you fall in hypothermia is going to hit you in five minutes oh, and you're like dead yeah. yeah so you can you can see the shore but you're not making it there you're gonna freeze it up the water temperature is like 38 uh the 40 in the summertime and the winter time it hovers beneath that yeah so given all of these crazy experiences skills tests traveling flying almost dying what's been like the one skill that you've learned that has been the most random or the most helpful it's kind of a weird question but I, I was thinking about it you seem like the kind of person that would have like always carry a toothpick with you macgyver one that we do a lot of people in alaska do that i don't see people in the 48 do as often is just tape your gun barrel off mm. um so you just tape the muzzle uh, i'm gonna use this Obviously, we don't really carry these up in Alaska. It's just a fun. This is my fidget spinner, by the way. Yeah, um, I'm stressed, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's unloaded. That's in the in the cylinder. Uh, you just take a piece of electrical tape and you cross it this way and you cross it that way, and then you take it and wrap it twice. Uh, why you do that is if any silt, debris, uh, sticks, mud, muck, anything. Uh, it prevents that from getting in there. So then if a bear does charge, you need to shoot it. It's not uh, not going to blow up in your face because you closed off at least that one fail point. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a very handy trick that I don't see a lot of people in the 48 do. Hmm. Okay. That's a good one to know. I'm going to have to do that. Okay. Well, I want to be respectful of your evening. We've covered a lot, and, and I don't want to glaze over anything. But I know – you said that you've failed a lot. You've had a lot of good success. You've come a long ways. In all of the things that we've talked about, is there anything where you're like, man, I don't share this a lot. It's really important to me. I'd love to get it out there. Here's a chance. Yeah. Uh, we, we touched kind of on the mental health thing. So I guess I'll, I'll go down that. And I won't use anybody's names uh, for privacy for the family. But I had a, a good buddy commit suicide. 2020 fall 2020 and uh if if you in that situation you think in those thoughts a a thought that comes to mind is everything has an expiration date good times and bad times so if you're in bad times eventually this too shall pass um so keeping that in mind uh and in anything so let's just say hunting i just over the fall, I did a lot of doll sheep hunting, caribou hunting, uh, grizzly bear hunting. So I went on this sheep hunt, solo sheep hunt, killed a sheep. I'm carrying out a 200-pound pack. My legs are burning. I'm having to go up this more or less borderline cliff because the, the, off this side is no man's land, like where you're going to die. And I say cliff, it's just a real steep ascent with loose rock. And it's a pain in the ass. And you're going up it, and I end up cutting my hand open. And in that moment, you start having a, what's called weak thoughts. And you're like, oh, I wish I, I could just quit. I wish I could go home. Uh, you can't. You got to push through that hard moment because that will pass too if you get through it. And you just keep going. So I, I would say that's a, a big one. It's like when, when really hard times come, and they will come, you can't avoid them. Everyone has them. Uh, you just, you, you got to figure out a way to get through it and find friends. And I know it's easier said than done because uh, my good friend, uh, 
we had a it was kind of it was hard because after the fact all of our, our friend group was kind of similar after the fact after he committed suicide I was the only buddy that he talked to briefly about it that he was feeling depressed and then what I told him was uh tuck your chin and get through it because that you know I'm rationalizing it in my in my mind mm-hmm. uh so hard times come tuck your chin get through it uh and and obviously he didn't he tapped out so uh so that that kind of struggled with me for a little bit uh on knowing that uh I sh- I should have figured out how to delegate more time because we were both really busy uh both were guides uh so we were separate areas so uh understand and later on so that happened and we left and I was gone for like a month and a half and then uh we relinked up for a little bit and I was like, Hey, punch him in the arm. And he would always punch me in the arm. And I was like, Hey dude, are you good? And he said, yeah, I'm good. And I could tell it was bullshit. Like I can see right there. It is bullshit. And I didn't say anything. Um, so I think what, where I'm going with all this is, is if someone that you love tells you something that you know is bullshit, don't let that string slide, pull that string. I should have hopped on him. Like, beat the shit out of him. I put, put him in a chokehold, like, listen here, you're going to talk to me or I'm going to choke you out and then I'm going to let you wake up and I'm going to choke you out again. Uh, like obviously I'm being dramatic, but uh, when, when those things happen and you know, something's going on, pull that string. Don't just let it slide. Cause you might not get another chance to do that. So, yeah. I think that, that's something I don't talk about much, but uh think about often yeah well i appreciate you sharing man i'm sorry about your buddy uh i appreciate the the thoughts uh if anybody listening wants to pray for his family you know it happened a long time ago but uh he had a young daughter that was 11 12 so uh i'm sure she would appreciate it so okay okay well what else man what else is weighing on you this evening um weighing on me i would say just uh personally wise would be uh you never want to fail and you don't want to let people down and there's a lot of people that need a lot of things and trying to trying to meet all those needs all the time gets get tiring but at the same time it's part of it so i'm trying to articulate that because that's not something i usually talk about i usually it's it's weird i don't talk about my emotions very often i just keep them <laughs> i keep them in there because uh i don't know there's a i'm trying to think how to articulate this because i've never articulated it to anyone but uh i think there is a little bit because i'm going to slightly contradict myself but as a man that like I'm not depressed. I don't feel those thoughts. Uh, I, I, as of right now, not saying I won't ever will, but I, I don't think I will is I don't feel like I need to put my emotions on anybody else. And I keep it as a closed can usually. Sure. Uh, like, like if I have an emotion that I think can help someone, then I'll articulate that story. But as for like what I'm going through on a regular basis, I keep that pretty close. Like my girlfriend, it drives so crazy. Like I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's going good. And she's like, you always say it's going good or great or fantastic. Like, is it never going bad for you? It's like, now there's bad days, but I don't need to talk about them. Like, I don't need to put my bad day on you. And that's just the way I, I look at it is kind of, I would call it a, what's called a John Wayne mentality that, uh, <laughs> that you just get through it. So I'm not saying that's what everyone should do. That's just kind of how I, how I look at doing it is not putting my day in and day out problems on anybody else. But on that same note, again, contradicting myself, if you need help and you're going through things, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Cause of the story I just told you, you need, if you feel in those bad thoughts and you, 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 people care, like I care, you want to come talk to me, shoot me up on Instagram, call me, whatever you need to do. My number's out there. If you Google my website. Uh, so there's a little bit of a contradiction there, but that's this how I handle it. Yeah, myself. no, that's fair. I, there's there's no wrong answer. I think 
for how people should handle or would like to handle themselves, right? If if holding it in is what works for you and makes you happy, who am I to say otherwise? But if you're not happy, you're responsible for, for getting the help you need. Absolutely. And the, the, like I said, there's a lot of good people out there that truly care about you. Like, even if you feel alone, like I might have never met you, but I, I care about you. And I'm sure you feel the same. It's like if someone's listening to that, that feels like that. Reach out to us because people love you. And that this is say hypothetically taking your own life. That's that's never the answer because it's going to there's going to be people let, like my, my buddy. Obviously, he felt like in that moment that was the answer. He left a mess in his wake. I, I love the guy to death. I think about him often. But what he did in that moment was the most selfish thing that he could do ever. He he thought it was helping him because everyone around him, because for whatever reason, he was feeling like it was better if he was gone. But it wasn't. So if, if you feel in that, trust me, no matter how alone you think you are or how wolfless you feel you are, you're not. There's a lot of people that will be negatively impacted by by you making that choice so yeah yeah that's true okay well i appreciate you man um if we're to plug your website and your instagram what are people looking for you yeah if uh people want to check out what i got going on uh they can type in rise up with caleb with a c and then uh, if they want to Google my name, it's Caleb Stillians. That's spelled uh, C-A-L-E-B. Stillians is S-T-I-L-L-I-A-N-S. And that will pop up the show, the website, et cetera. Uh, some exciting things that are coming coming down the pike that uh, entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, I have a, a company called Tappity. It's an e-business card. You can share your information. You can share your business information. There's a lot of software management tools behind that. Another one that's coming down the pike is called Outfitter Services. Uh, think of it uh, as, a, as a way to connect with outfitters and outfitters to connect with you, uh, similar to a, to, to a booking company, but with a lot more features where you can reach out to those people. You can get gear list. You can find the hunts. Uh, and yeah, so I'm super excited about that. The, the website's not up yet, but you can go on Instagram and follow the page and stay stay in tune with it or drop us your email and that's at outfitter.services. Okay. I'll uh, get those all linked in the episode description as well. So that way you don't have to write her down. I appreciate that. So, okay. Well, man, I appreciate you. We'll have to get together in a, a couple of months after you've lived some crazy stories and uh, swap some tales. Absolutely. You, you let me know when I got a bad, I got a big old suitcase of stories that to get out. <laughs> Perfect. All right, man. Well, I won't keep you this evening, but we'll stay in touch um, and I'll chat you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Saul. Caleb, once again, man, thanks for taking the time to uh, sit down with me. Everybody listening, I hope you took some good information away and uh, feel maybe a little excited, capable, or uh, educated enough to go reach out to somebody should you need it, uh, kind of alluding to the last little bit of our conversation. Nevertheless, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we will catch you next time. (laughs) 